Welcome back, Heming Brainiacs, to the podcast, talking about William Wordsworth again. <clears throat> a couple more poems. Solitary Reaper. This poem was inspired by Wordsworth and his sister Dorothy's stay at the village of Strathier in the parish of Bolquitter in Scotland in 1803. By the way, these comments of courtesy of Swim, says that I'm a fishy. Perfect Woman Wordsworth wrote this poem in 1803 about his wife. The poet describes his first encounter with a lovely apparition or a beautiful spirit who turns out to be quite human after all once he gets to know her. Rather than temper the speaker's admiration, however, seeing the woman as a fully human makes the speaker love her even more. Daffodils, one of Wordsworth's most famous poems, it is often known as the quintessential English romantic poem. Its theme is the relationship between the individual and the natural world. Though those daffodils are obviously the most memorable image from the poem. Very nice. Thank you, Swim. Acoustic Eel says, I've always thought William Wordsworth was almost too apt of a name for a poet. It sounds like something from J.K. Rowling would make, would name the English professor at Hogwarts. Oh, I can't read. It sounds like something J.K. Rowling would name the English professor at Hogwarts. Something about the alliteration and the usage of words in the name. Minerva, McGonagall, Severus Snape, William Wordsworth, Pavati Petil. Fits right in. Yeah. Kind of, like, I don't know how, when I read Harry Potter... I haven't read it for ages, by the way, but I loved the Harry Potter series as a sort of, you know, 16-year-old. And I've probably read the first one through to about a 22 or 23-year-old when I read the last one. Um, I loved them. And for some reason, never found that corny that all the names were like, you know, with full of alliteration and puns and clues and that kind of thing. But now when I think back, it's like, that is kind of corny. And I wonder... If I reread it, would there be anything else that now isn't like is a little uh, corny? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe she pulls it off. I should reread those books though. Um, Swim says, "Well, it just wouldn't be me if I didn't look up the name's origin, would it?" Wordsworth is descended from a famous English locational surname. Locational surnames developed when the original name holders left their village, perhaps because of a loss of tenancy of a common grazing land, and wherever they subsequently settled, they often took or were given as their identification the name of their former home. The first recorded spelling is shown to be that of Peter de Wordleworth. This was uh, dated 1381 in the rolls of the Freeman of York during the reign of King Edward, spelling being at best haphazard and local dialects very strong, lead to the creation of sounds like recordings in the local court rolls, Church of Manor registers. In this case, the development from Wadsworth to Wordsworth seems to have been first recorded in the year 1560. Kusikil says, wow, cool, thanks for the info. Thank you, Swim, for the info. Yeah, those English names especially. Um, European names do tend to merge and stuff over the years. And when you do your family tree, if you go back into England, like wine does, you find that 
yeah, things were birth certificates were just well, not even birth certificates, just records of people's names. There's all different spellings of the surnames that you have, and even the first names of those people can get recorded in different spellings. All right, um, more of the old Wordsworth, eh? Where are we up to? Scrolling down. I read, the, I read those five, didn't I? Oh, no, we read The Solitary Reaper, Perfect Woman and Daffodils. Okay, Ode to Duty. I'm going to read the Ode to Duty and then a couple more. Stern daughter of the voice of God, O duty, if that name thou love, who art a light to guide a rod, to check the erring and reprove, thou who art victory in law, when empty terrors overawe, from vain temptations dost set free, and calmest the weary strife of frail humanity. There are who ask not in thine eye, beyond them who in love and truth, where no misgiving is rely upon the genial sense of youth, glad hearts without reproach or blot, who do thy work and know it not, O, oh, if through confidence misplaced, they fail thy saving arms, dread power around them cast. Serene will be our days, and bright and happy will our nature be, when love is an unerring light and joy its own security, and they a blissful course may hold, even now who, not unwisely bold, live in the spirit of this creed, yet seek thy firm support according to their need. I, loving freedom and untried, no sport of every random gust, yet being to myself a guide to blindly have reposed my trust, and oft when in my heart was heard thy timely mandate I deferred, the task in smoother walks to stray, but thee I now would serve more strictly if I may. Through no disturbance of my soul or strong compunction in me wrought, I supplicate for thy control, but in the quietness of thought, me, this uncharted freedom tires, I feel the weight of chance desires, my hopes no more must change their name, I long for a repose that ever is the same. Yet, not the less would I, throughout, still act according to the voice of my own wish and feel past doubt, that my submissiveness was choice, not seeking in the school of pride, for precepts over-dignified, denial and restraint are prize, no farther than they breed, a second will more rise. Stern lawgiver, yet thou dost wear the Godhead's most benignant grace, nor know we anything so fair as is the smile upon thy face. Flowers laugh before thee on their beds, and fragrance in thy footing treads. Thou dost preserve the stars from wrong, and the most ancient heavens through thee are fresh and strong. To humbler functions, awful power, I call thee, I myself commend, unto thy guidance from this hour, O oh, let my weakness have an end. Give unto me, made lowly wise, the spirit of self-sacrifice, the confidence of reason, give, and in the light of truth thy bondman let me live. The Rainbow my heart leaps up when I behold a rainbow in the sky. So was it when my life began, so is it now I am a man. So be it when I shall grow old or let me die. The child is father of the man, and I could wish my days to be bound each to each by natural piety. The Sonnet 1 
Nuns fret not at their convent's narrow room, and hermits are contented with their souls, and students with their pensive citadels, maids at the wheel, the weaver at his loom, sit blithe and happy bees that soar for bloom, high as the highest peak of furnace fells, will murmur by the hour of foxglove bells, in truth the prisons unto which we doom ourselves, no prison is, and hence for me. In sundry moods, t'was pastime to be bound, within the sonnet's scanty plot of ground, pleased if some souls, for such their needs must be, who have felt the weight of too much liberty, should find brief solace there as I have found. 2. Scorn not the sonnet critic, you have frowned. Mindless of its just honours, with this key, Shakespeare unlocked his heart, the melody of this small lute gave ease to Petrarch's wound. A thousand times the pipe did tasso sound, with it Camoens soothed an exile's grief, the sun glittered a gay myrtle leaf, amid the cypress with which Dante crowned his visionary brow, a glow-worm lamp, it cheered mild Spencer, called the fairy land, to struggle through dark ways, and when a damp fell round the path of Milton in his hand, the thing became a trumpet whence he blew, soul-animating strains, alas, too few. Okay, that's going to be us for today. Apologies for another short episode, but yeah, you know, I'm a tired man. I'll see you tomorrow, though. Thanks for listening.